hello, and welcome to this very special bonus episode of You Should See the Other Guy. Typically, our mission on this podcast is to watch a romantic movie featuring a buffet of love options and tell you why the person who did the choosing picked wrongly. But today, we are here to talk to our very own Samantha about her forthcoming book. I'm Jennifer, by the way. I'm Samantha. And I'm Sadie, the dead sheep of the story. (laughs) The dead sheep. Now I can finally reveal because people will be able to read the opening of my novel at the time that you listen to this, that it opens with a dead sheep. And Sadie has claimed the dead sheep as as her namesake. Thank you, Sadie, for be, being the dead sheep. I don't know why that image was the first <laughs> thing that popped into my head, but it's the first thing I wrote, and I wrote it before I even knew like where the rest of the book was going to go. So things are wrong with me, I suppose. You, uh, this is um, yeah. a very a quick way. aside, but I feel... So I actually... There's no way that I could ever find this ever again because it was in high school, but I literally have written an essay on like novels that open with like grisly livestock death because like several of my favorite (laughs) books in high school did open with that and so I just think that it's just because all of the biggest brain authors are like, yeah, this is where it has to start. <laughs> that reminds me of like those hyper specific letterboxed lists where they're like movies <laughs> in which Anne Hathaway's hair goes from curly to straight or something. And it'll be like the princess diaries and one other thing or something. I, I want to read this list of grisly livestock death novels. Anyway, don't worry. This episode <laughs> is not a substitute for our regular rom com coverage, which is coming a little late this week because we are doing Netflix's single all the way, which drops on Thursday. So the episode will be out Friday, I think. And Sadie is actually writing a review for that, which I'm excited about. So you'll have your regular, you should see the other guy later in the week. This is our shameless promotion of Patricia Wants to Cuddle, which is my horror comedy novel. It comes out June 28th, 2022. And today you can see the cover for the first time. And you can read, I think, the first seven pages on them.us. And I will drop that link in the show notes and post it on our Twitter and stuff like that. But it's about a reality TV dating show called The Catch that's filming its second to last week in the Pacific Northwest in the San Juan Islands near Canada. And a certain legendary creature may be stalking uh, the remaining contestants as they film. So this is a fun (laughs) horror comedy satire about reality TV. I had a lot of fun writing it. You've probably heard me mention it on this podcast before, but it's one of those bizarre little things that I, I wrote during the pandemic. I felt like I was losing my mind. I had no idea whether or not this would actually get bought and turned into a novel. And so I feel a little surreal that this is um, actually happening and that there's actually a, a cover to look at. The cover looks amazing, by the way. A fantastic And the words cover. inside, even better. I am so excited so, to see this come spoiled. to fruition. I remember Ugh. reading bits and bobs of this like in when you were in your early stages of writing and I was so excited for it and to think that in like less than a year I will have it in my hands in printed form is so exciting 
it's so exciting. I'm passing the baton to Jen now so that she can gush, but I wanted to gush as well. I am just sitting here listening to Sadie gush about it, grinning like an idiot, because I am so excited to get the actual physical copy of this book in my hands. And I just really can't recommend this enough. Also, having uh, read some of Samantha's bits and bobs along the way, as Sadie titles them, I can't wait to read the final version. And uh, as we've discussed previously on this podcast, if you are not a first-time listener, this comes up relatively often, that I am a fan of The Bachelor cinematic universe. And the reason, as we have also discussed on this podcast, that I became a watcher of The Bachelor verse shows is because Samantha lured me into it with her her slant on uh, the way that Samantha likes to watch the Bachelor shows is watching them as a horror show. And it's it's fascinating. It's uh, a little bit addictive to start looking at it through that lens. And then this book takes that premise and takes it right into the, the horror movie territory that Samantha loves. It starts out with gruesome livestock death. And then we just go from there to influencers. So if any of that sounds appealing <laughs> to you. seamless transition. <laughs> <laughs> We're really you, selling it. <laughs> Come for the dead sheep, stay for the influencers. <laughs> oh, and for the portions that uh, in which uh, message board people write to one another about behind the scenes details on the show is just masterfully done. I laughed out loud at several points and I'm just so excited. I thank you both. I'm really I'm really thrilled and you both read it in various states. Jen, I think you read like almost an entire draft at one point and then it it changed almost entirely the third act because like many horror books, there comes a point in which characters uh, split up. Um, it's the hardest <laughs> thing to write because you have to believably split people up, even though it probably defies their natural instincts in dire circumstances. And after my editor, lovely editor, bought this book, she pointed to how I had split everybody up and was like, what if X character went with Y character instead and Z character went with W character oh, instead? No. So basically like a bunch of people swapped places after the after the split moment and and that was a big part of the rewrite. So hopefully it will feel really fresh um, for both of you when you finally see the finished copy. And I sort of want to reassure people, it's not just like, haha, look at these influencers Influencers, look at these people that go on reality TV. I started out thinking that I could write kind of a fairly like surface level satire of that world. And then the more that I wrote it, the more I was like, no, I really need to like flesh out um, these characters, human sides and, and show redemptive value in who they are and have them learn and grow. And um, often they learn important things right before they die. But ain't that just how life goes sometimes? <laughs> No, it is. I think and you can even they do. Tell they hook you in the first like seven esque pages that we get of the excerpt. I think that you can see that like it's gripping and it's very it's a very intense opener. And then when you are first introduced to some of the contestants, you can see that they are such radically different people who 
are doing this kind of really superficial, very silly thing for different reasons. And some of those reasons are more superficial and others are more speaking to different traumas or depths. I don't know if I'm allowed to say any of that, but I think it's so funny while also being so introspective, which I love about it. And I don't usually enjoy like haha horror, but I loved this book or what I've read of it. <laughs> and unless it has really drastically changed in the rewrite, unlike any given season of a reality TV dating show, you are guaranteed a love story in this book. I cried. Oh, oh, oh you're talking about the letters um, yes. in the end of the book. I sobbed writing them and then I sobbed reading them aloud to Corey. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was trying to kind of pack it all in, which is a risky thing to do. Like, I think a lot of people want to write horror comedy. It's a very popular genre these days. And so you think to yourself, I'm going to I'm gonna nail this. And then you start doing it and you're like, oh, this is a real tightrope walk, isn't it? Like, it's so hard to balance like the the funny with with the horror. And then if you do it without emotion too, as like the critical third component, then it can just feel like, well, what was the point of that? You know, like the horror comedies I don't enjoy just kind of feel like, well, that was diverting, but I feel like it didn't really make me feel anything. So I was trying to like do all three of those at a time. And, uh, and it took a lot of work. I think in in my, you know, not at all biased opinion, I think that you very successfully balanced that unicycle atop the tightrope while juggling all of these things. It made me laugh. It made me cry. It's really good. And you know, there's a, it's a weird feeling to be reading your friend's book and also reading other things that are published, you know, at any given time and think, wow, not just because she's my friend, this is just really fucking quality. Sadie, did reading this at all make you want to join us in the world of watching uh, straight reality dating shows? Uh, no, um, because, <laughs> because, none <of> them, <laughs> because none of them could be as entertaining and like riveting as this. <laughs> like none of them are, uh, at least I don't think any of them face any harrowing horror-esque scenarios on set of the B-word-esque shows? At least I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I would argue that the entire thing of these reality dating shows, especially ones um, that, you know, or, like the B-word, as Sadie says, that emphasize a big commitment in the finale uh, that it really is like a, a horrifying psychological experiment that these poor contestants sign up to undergo. And I think Samantha's recruiting me to watch these type of shows around the time that I finally watched Unreal as well, that focuses on, you know, the production and the manipulation that takes place behind the scenes. And once you see it fully in that whole picture, it really is a fascinating, sometimes it upsets me to watch these shows and I, I can't actually, because you do know that it's real people being ground into fodder for this narrative, you know, that's going to be presented to you in a, a fairly two-dimensional way on TV. So there's already like an eerie essence to, you can sort of see the, you know, the fingerprints, the manipulation that goes into creating these stories that you're watching 
watching on screen develop between these people. But then also you don't see the, you know, the puppeteers are (laughs) deliberately omitted from the show. So I think that it's really fascinating when you're looking at that sort of as a holistic product to see how that could go if it just got a little bit more supernatural. (laughs) I Yeah, I mean, I already find it kind of horrifying. Like, uh, this book is born out of me simultaneously consuming like all of the Friday the 13th movies, all of the nightmare movies, all of the Halloweens. Like I was binge watching slasher movies and I was watching The Bachelor and Love Island, all of the various countries editions of those shows and thinking like, wow, these actually just kind of belong together. Like they're all about people getting eliminated in one way (laughs) or another. Um, And they're both about how people respond under extreme pressures. Horror movies it's often the pressure of a killer threat in the woods and in reality dating shows like the threat are the literal people making it who are like going to depict you in terrible terrible ways and try to get you to do embarrassing things unless you are somehow one of the few lucky ones that curries their favor and gets the great uh, edit in the end I, yeah the the parallels were just like i was having one of those you know the meme of the lady looking at the equations i was like i was like <laughs> oh my god these things need to need to merge already but they like you can watch hours and hours of the bachelor love island or too hot to handle and they say nothing and some of that is because of the producers editing out any time when they mention like religion or politics or any of that and then there but there's also a big piece of that of like you intentionally cast the kind of people who don't really talk about or examine the worlds in that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that to me is like ho- a horrifying prospect to consider of just like a mansion full of 35 people who like, you know, like are largely at the time of their lives that they're filming the show focused on fairly superficial goals, in my opinion. I find it so um, jumping from the I I was about to spiral off and and get into some deep uh, old school bachelor history that uh, (laughs) Sadie doesn't need to know. So we'll move on from here. But in the excerpt that's out today, I find it very fascinating the difference in perspective between the two people whose heads we get a little glimpse inside of in that first seven pages. And the person, Renee, who is the contestant who we're seeing her POV there is not in a good headspace at all going into this story. And, uh, I think that's, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to not think about the people on these shows being real people and what could be going on behind their eyes and uh, yeah, how it could all shake out. Yeah, because I mean, to go on one of these shows, it's a fairly like wild choice to make with your life, you know, because you you a lot you have to quit your job essentially because you're going to be filming for like six weeks. Uh, you have to have the flexibility to be able to do that. So it seems like you're either going on it because you already have the goal in mind for what comes out of that, you know, social media fame, or like you're in 
just a weird place in your life that you would do something like this. And the former definitely outnumber the latter, but in years of watching them, you definitely occasionally see people come across who were not really thinking about social media fame, who were just kind of like put up to it by coworkers or a sibling or something like that and and went and, and did it. I'm thinking of Peter Cross. I will invoke some deep bachelor <laughs> lore. I give you like, a pass a because this is who came your on. episode. <laughs> <laughs> A beautiful gift from Sadie. But he was like a gym (laughs) owner in Florida or something who came on the show super dreamy. Everyone loved him. And then like the show ended and he just like went back to like doing his gym. And very clearly it seemed like they were courting him to be the next bachelor or to come back on the show. And he was just like, nah, I'm good. And so Renee is kind of like one of those characters who doesn't know quite what she's doing on the show. And then she's surrounded by people who primarily want to use it for their glamps to pics followings, which is my fictional Instagram <laughs> name, which I've since realized doesn't make sense because where would the stuff come from? Um, my wife famously hates uh, Glamsta Picks as as my fake Instagram <laughs> name. <laughs> well, what what? Oh, there's no alternative. I mean, I'm sure there are, but I feel like Glamsta Picks kind of captures the same level of inherent stupidity that is the name instagram <laughs> like instant what yeah. inst i what is the gram uh, yours makes more sense <laughs> but it has a <laughs> wait is it from telegram where do- yeah now that i'm thinking of it i'm like what do- what does instagram even mean <laughs> no idea but it does have that catchy Three syllable ring. That's it's a little more appealing sounding than Facebook or Twitter. Glamsta pics, you know, that sibling yeah. ending. Uh, I see it working. Like, Samantha, <laughs> maybe you should have tried to sell this app instead of writing a book. <laughs> I had fun uh, coming up with, you know, the like um, alternative names for real world concepts. The show is called The Catch. And I, I have one TikTok reference precisely, an, a <laughs> nod to my Zoomer friends. And I believe it's called Click Clack in the, in oh, the book. Not Click Clack. <laughs> <laughs> You could have hearkened Which it back makes about to as its much original sense as Musical.ly days. Wait, that's right. Oh my, that's the same app? It's the same app. So Sadie, this used to get marketed to me as like, watch this like country singer and this like woman sing a song together. Like, and it would just be a split screen of them doing shallow or something like that. And yes. that used to be what TikTok was, I guess. Well, wow. I, um, when did it go I have from a, that to a the very vivid uh, flashbulb memory of like, Six, six, six years ago, whenever Musically was like on the rise, and I had never heard of it before, I was not about to get on it. Like it was definitely for like people under the age of like sixteen, you know. And I was vacationing with my cousin, with my family, and my cousin, who I think she was fourteen at the time, and she was showing my mom all of her like Musicallys, and my mom was like, you know how like older people are where they're just like oh my god this is so ta- 
that like it was just like a duet type thing. And I remember like looking at it and being like, yeah, this is I've missed the boat on this one. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm not getting musically. And then musically just like faded away. And then this new app came up and it was TikTok. And I got on to TikTok and then I didn't remember. I didn't realize that it was musically until like much later. And I was like, damn, I betrayed past me. <laughs> I'm on musically. <laughs> they got you in the end. Sadie was like, this app will never go anywhere. <laughs> no, no, millions of people will never use this piece of software. <laughs> I, I'm proud to say Making that I have said that about every now major app and I've been wrong every time, but I will continue to be wrong. I said that for Twitter. I, also, I said that for Musical.ly. I said that for Vine. And I'll say it again. <laughs> I'm glad we uh, were talking about TikTok a little bit because I think I, the other one of the other big things I was grappling with in Patricia is like the late stage social media era where, I don't know, it, it feels like the newness of it has worn off. It's growing increasingly like dystopian and nightmarish. And and I feel like even like the influencer economy is starting to show like cracks in the foundation oh, yeah. lately. It's not the is- glory days of sugar bear hair care and flat tummy tea you know, diarrhea beverage or whatever. But (laughs) I think that that comes across that this Samantha knows of what she parodies here in this book. And uh, that, yeah, the late stage social media capitalist sort of sense of desperation that these people are going into this making a kind of Faustian bargain that they may receive a reward of, you know, followers and be able to expand their businesses and their goals. Or you could get a terrible edit and become a villain and receive horrific abuse from strangers all over the internet. And I I do find that there's an interesting parallel. There are the romantic letters that will make you cry um, peppered throughout this book. There's some hearkening to early 2010s era blogging, uh, if that is still in the book. And then there are the yes. the message boards um, that function as another part of the horror, uh, in addition to, you know, providing information about what may be going on or speculation, but just the, uh, it, it, this does seem in the real life reality show contestants. I mean, I'm sure a lot of them these days are already big enough on Instagram or whatever that they, they have some idea of what they may be getting into inviting such a large audience into their lives. But wow, like just the levels of, of awful that anonymous people could be online about these strangers who are acting as characters on a TV show is really something. Yeah. So all of those interstitials are still in there and have survived the rewrite. And if anything, have kind of better showcases. But for for people totally in the dark about the book, there's there's so there's the central narrative about the show. It's set in 2019. They're, you know, they're filming on this island. They start out at a bed and breakfast. And then the interstitial segments start out tracking 
a web forum that discusses this show that's kind of styled after Reddit. And then in the second act, we dive deeper into like almost like live journal or Zanga style posts from the perspective of someone with history on the island. So we uncover a little bit more of the lore. And then as the action really picks up, we see love letters from the 70s between two characters who moved to the island from Arkansas. And I'm sort of intentionally as like the central narrative picks up and gets more violent and thrilling, like moving backward in time toward more like honest and direct forms of communication that used to be like how we talk to each other. So this is my grandma, Samantha, uh, (laughs) gesture in the book of just like going back in time from like Reddit to like handwritten love letters and like experiencing what it was like when we were able to talk to each other without it being mediated by advertising companies. (laughs) Like... Imagine Can that. Can you imagine um, a world in which I could talk to people and not have Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> personally reading every single thing I say? <laughs> wow. I also yeah. have. I rewatched um, the meetings thing, by the way, the Mark Zuckerberg like doing 3D meetings in Oculus Quest. Oh, and, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> But what were you saying, Sadie? I refuse to believe that meta is a real thing. But I did have something separate I was going to ask. So as you both know, I am a bachelor. Well, I can't say virgin because I've watched like 30 minutes of one episode. And I was like, uh, in no thank you, <laughs> switching, <laughs> switching away. But it's um, one pinky toe into do the you, pool. So are there actual bachelor people who genuinely believe what bachelor is trying to give you like do they genuinely believe that the people are there for love etc etc and will they be deeply offended by this critique that you've created (laughs) absolutely (laughs) i have wondered about this um i think they're definitely like they tend to be former contestants and the more former they are and the more that they've been able to establish their own kind of like brand and revenue stream the more liberated they feel to be like critical of the show and to kind of rip the curtain off the enterprise that's happening more and more and so I definitely think like it will resonate with some people but then there are certainly people who have really like bought into the process but like it's kind of hard to tease out who has bought into this process because they actually believe that this is a good way to find love because statistically it definitely (laughs) is not and who is buying into like curry favor with producers to try to appear on more shows which you know like that's certainly a game plan we all make like compromises and strategic decisions for career advancement it's hard for me to be like damning of that but um yeah certainly like it comes at the expense of like creating the illusion that people still believe in this when it feels like if you actually isolate each piece of it this is what I find fascinating about it. I think if you take a take it apart, deconstruct it like a Thanksgiving turkey, you're like, 
well, no one actually like believes in this. Like the producers are just trying to get a motion to create TV. The contestants want social media fame. The network wants to sell you Lexus commercials. So like everyone has some cynical angle on it. And yet the product itself is like fairy tale, heteronormative, like 1950s love you know <laughs> and that's amazing that that can still be like what's produced out of people who don't buy into it at all there's a lot of it, um it's like amongst the primary audience that the show intends itself for which would be more what like elaine Liu of laney gossip calls the minivan majority um, like people who are only <laughs> well versed enough in their they they get their celebrity gossip from the cover of People magazine and the checkout line. You know they aren't on blogs fact checking on details and stuff. And so it's really interesting that in the Bachelor verse specifically, there is certainly uh, I'd say that is who. Well, they're certainly that's the audience they're trying to appeal to with their selection of the next Bachelor at this point, <laughs> who is going to appear. But there is a also a much more sophisticated critical audience who in like a post unreal TV show world is watching to get the to, to, to look at the seams and see the glimpses behind the curtain. I, so I think a narrative like this would probably appeal to that sort of watcher more than, you know, the former <laughs> but I'm I'm just I, I've been delighted to see reviews come in from people who have gotten their hands on on the galley of Patricia wants to cut wants to cuddle, and this book just surprises the fuck out of everybody. Frankly, it's sort of hard to warn you what you're going to be getting into here. And I think that's an excellent thing. That's a <laughs> that is definitely a that's a plus in my book. Because that's part of the fun, I feel. Like, I, I feel like it almost mirrors what Bachelor tries to tell you versus what most people who watch it get out of it. Because, like, if you spatchcock the Bachelor franchise, you realize that, like, <laughs> it's created to be, like, laughed at and profited on. And in the same way, this book is, like, once you open it up, it's so much more and so much different than what you expect. So it's kind of just, like, the apple does not fall far from the tree in the best way possible. Yeah. Like, it's just weird. It's really good weird. But like you, uh, yeah, I don't know if you, uh, this is just going to make a fantastic beach read for people when it comes out in June 2022, I think, who see the cover and are like, oh, this looks intriguing. And they're going to slather on their sunscreen and sit under their little umbrellas and get their minds completely blown. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, like, I'm I've been happy to peek at those like net galley reviewers too. And like, I want it to be able to function simultaneously as like, well, just a diverting beach read, you know, like responses have ranged the gamut from people who are like, this is super deep to people who are like, yeah, I just had fun with this. And I don't know quite what to make of it. And like, I'm, I'm happy as a clam with either, <laughs> either of those responses. And even if you hate it, I know people aren't gonna, that's the thing you have to accept as an author is there are definitely going to be people who just like despise your book. But I just like I want it to be able to work as like, well, this was like a fun little book where a bunch of people on a reality show got murdered. And um, <laughs> that's interesting. But then if 
if you want it to be there, if you dig for it, and if you're ready to connect with it on that level, like it also, I also injected just like a ton of like emotion and personal stuff and like depression and loneliness like is in here too. And it's like, it's there if you want to find it, if you want to connect with it. But the epigraph I chose for it is from a 1963 adaptation of uh, Hill House called The Haunting. And it's the lead character in that film near the end before she meets her demise. She thinks something at last is really, really, really happening to me because she's felt like she's Uh. kind of lived a life that's uneventful. And like now finally in this like horrific mansion, something real is like occurring to her. And this book is kind of my attempt to like grapple with like, what what is even real anymore? (laughs) Like, is it even possible to access like, uh, just untapped, unfiltered, like, emotional attachments to each other? Um, Or have we gone through the looking glass already? So would you consider, I mean, going back to the overall theme of this podcast sometimes, would you consider this book amongst the other things that it is, humor, horror, introspective, would you consider it to be a romance slash French New Wave version of a chick flick? (laughs) Or a chick lit, (laughs) I should say. There are definitely love stories in the book. One is unrequited one is uh requited if that's a word but ends tragically in a way that the excerpt already signals for you but you know this is this is horror like uh you need to be prepared for even people Mm -hmm. you like to not have happy endings so but there yeah this is definitely like a love story and a lot of those letters are kind of like drawn from little details of my own relationship with my wife but just like extrapolated onto different characters with different life experiences. But that's part of why like I would sob as I read them and Corey would be like, stop, you can't like read anymore. Like I can't take it. (laughs) And I was writing those like during like deep, deep pandemic of like never even seeing anyone inside. So it was just like us feeling like we were at the end of the world, like (laughs) me reading like letters about our love (laughs) and us crying. Very, very desperate times but the book's got plenty of fun stuff too and i'll 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 end our our forced self-promotion of this i thank you both for humoring me for this long to gush about it to listeners and to give people a little early week listening I while they wait so for excited i'm episode. so excited to talk about it more when the full book comes out and at the end of june 2022 is it june 28th samantha yeah just just at the tail end of Pride Month, but right before you head to the beach, you oh, know, yeah. uh, shake off the all the glitter. Spot, baby, you should go ahead and pre-order it now, and then if you you can cover up your personal identifying information, but 
Samantha, what is it you would like to request of people on Twitter? Oh, yes. So you can pre-order the book now. You can go to zandoprojects.com, which I'll link in the show notes, and you can pre-order it from any major retailer, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, the big ones. Or, you know, I would encourage you to order from your local bookstore, ask your local bookstore to order it so that they can list it on their website and you order it there, pre-order it in person requested at your library, all of those good things. My ideal outcome is as many copies of Patricia as possible through as many uh, independent bookstores as possible, but do what you need to do to, to pre-order the book. And if you message me on Twitter, my DMs are open. So anyone can send me anything, which is, you know, an interesting choice I've made for myself. <laughs> but if you if you DM me a screenshot of your receipt, and you can cover over your identifying information, your address, your name, whatever, just show me that you have pre ordered it. And I will for now do my best to message back everyone who does this, a three word bachelor style job description from the Chirons <laughs> of the show. Which we were telling Sadie beforehand, because many people don't have actual jobs at the moment of filming or because production is trying to kind of punch up what they do a little bit, have grown increasingly entertaining in recent years, including things like chicken enthusiast or dolphin, yeah, right? Wasn't was one dolphin, girl a dolphin? There was a sloth. <laughs> there was the skin salesman on the, um, not the currently airing season of The Bachelorette, but the previous one. Ooh, he he left on the first episode. Oh, and what did they do for the, the guy who ran the uh, erectile dysfunction clinics? Did they just call him like entrepreneur or did, something? Right. He eventually married another contestant off of Bachelor in uh, Paradise. They have had children, but then this year they split up. Yeah, he, they should have called him an entree peen, <laughs> you are. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to do this for everyone unless I get absolutely overwhelmed with pre-orders, which I and other authors do not anticipate happening. So fire those receipts away and I will send you back your, your uh, reality TV show style job description. And I will now do Sadie's and Jen's. <laughs> Live on air. Yay! Jen, you've heard yours recently, and I must reiterate it, ice cream librarian. <laughs> that is me. And, which is from some meme that you've had multiple people forward you a, a, a in Chuck recent Tingle days. meme of... <laughs> I was previously <laughs> unfamiliar oh, with Chuck ice Tingle. cream librarian until I was compared to her yesterday. And now I'm I'm kind of invested. I'm going to have to go seek out that book title as well. <laughs> so if you were on a reality dating show, I would say Gen C, uh, ice cream Perfect. librarian. I love that. And Sadie, it had to be Mushroom Well Explorer. <laughs> it couldn't be anything else. A spelunker, one might say. <laughs> Mushroom well spelunker, perfect. That also will someone now be somewhere on my social media in approximately fifteen minutes. <laughs> also, someone needs to explain to me what software sales is, which is apparently what thirty percent of men who have appeared on The Bachelor That's do for a living. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. software, software sales. sales. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just hear that on the show and I'm like, are you going door to door selling people Quicken? Like, what is this? But I know there's a whole world of like hospitals and software companies enriching each other by like selling medical software for, you know, patient records and stuff. I love when stunningly beautiful bachelorette Taisha speaking to a lawyer who asked her what she did in attempting to not (laughs) say influencer to describe her job since she had first appeared on a bachelor show, said that she was in the beauty and travel space. (laughs) Was it, be- was it? I thought it was beauty, beauty and, and lifestyle. Or I swear, I thought she's maybe, maybe she said was all she three, traveled a the lot. Triumvirate. Maybe it's the beauty and lifestyle space, and that's why she had to travel. Oh, <laughs> bless her! Yeah, she was like, I travel a lot for work, and then it was like, so what do you do? And then she was like, I'm in the beauty and lifestyle space. Oh, Perfect, flawless, beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I wish I were in the beauty and lifestyle uh, yeah. space. Uh, It seems (laughs) like you make more money uh, doing uh, more glamorous things than being hunched over your laptop writing about livestock death, which brings us full circle. Thank you, everybody, for for, patiently Thank you. We love you. Pre-order Patricia Wants to Cuddle and send Samantha the proof. (laughs) 